0: The reason why I like the service bureau model better than a tax planning model is there's just way more residual on the service bureau model without any of the fucking work, right? With tax planning, all right, there's the work involved in signing up a client. That's regardless in any model, right? You gotta sign up a client, got them onboarded, whatever that scenario is in any of the models. But the amount of service work involved in like a planning or resolution client is you're sitting there and that's a client that's paying you out of pocket and you have to fulfill on whatever service Promise you made. And this usually requires hours of work. Where with service bureaus, the service bureau model, you could set up a bunch of offices, set your fees wherever those are. There's really not much else after that. Once they're due every year, they come back, they keep using your software. If they grow, you make more money, right? You're you're still making consistent money and it just kind of snowballs. There's a better residual, I feel.
1: Welcome to the Service Bureau Accelerator Podcast, where we help tax professionals start and scale a successful service bureau.
0: welcome everyone to episode number 10 of Dang the heights. service accelerator <laughs> podcast <laughs> we had uncle ross here tia the tax goddess as well and today we're going to talk about why a service bureau is the best business in the tax industry best business model in the tax industry Coming from my background in the tax industry and the tax office world, and I think seeing all the other models out there, having done some years ago, we could definitely dive into a lot of reasons why the Service Bureau's the best model. But let's break down, I guess we'll start off by breaking down what are the different revenue models in this industry? Because there's a lot.
1: There's a a lot. lot. We could talk
0: about a couple of them or mention a couple of them and then maybe do some like pros and cons, right? But uh, yeah, so let's, I guess anybody want to kick it off with some of the different models in the industry?
2: I've seen an amendment model where people just do amendments.
0: Right. Okay. People just mm. say, hey, did your tax prepare fuck up? Let's see if we can find you extra money. So that's one model. Yeah.
1: That's uh, an interesting model. We, we were looking at that a while ago with someone, but there's a lot of cons on that one. Actually, a lot of cons on that business model. Tax resolution. Course. Tax resolution then we see tax a, preparation
0: uh, tax preparation tax resolution bookkeeping tax planning like, there's just a lot
1: even like credit repair for- there's a lot of okay. like ancillary yeah like ancillary business models i guess that all kind of tie in within like the same kind of customers that you would have within yeah, the tax bookkeeping.
0: bookkeeping yeah
1: yeah
0: i think with the, you know we could look let's look at
1: guys what tax- about software sales <laughs> <laughs> service <bureau.
0: laughs> oh yeah no. oh yeah and that one <laughs> Well, that's the one we're going to talk about why it's, this title of the episode is why it's the best. Yeah. <laughs> right? So we're obviously going to talk about that. But let's like, like, look, I see a lot of like ads and stuff where people say, hey, learn to become like a tax planner. And, you know, yes, granted, there is good high ticket revenue in planning and resolution. Right. Kind of beat mm-hmm. go hand in hand. And there's big tax resolution firms out there. That they make millions of dollars. Right. But they also have millions of dollars in budget to market those types of products and services but yeah tax planning could be very lucrative a very lucrative business model along with resolution the the one reason why i think that service comparing to like tax planning the reason why i like the service bureau model better than a tax planning model is there's just way more residual on the service bureau model without any of the fucking work right with tax planning that once you so, all right, there's the work involved in signing up a client. That's regardless in any model, right? You got to sign up a client, got them onboarded, whatever that scenario is in any of the models. But the amount of service work involved in like a planning or resolution client is you're sitting there and that's a client that's paying you out of pocket and you have to fulfill on whatever service promise you made, right? And this usually requires hours of work mm-hmm. where with service bureaus, the service bureau model could set up a bunch of offices, set your fees wherever those are, right? I think we have other episodes where we'll talk about the fees and how those work at another time. And there's really not much else after that. Once they're due, every year they come back, they keep using your software. You're making, if they grow, you make more money, right? So you're still making consistent money and it just kind of snowballs. There's a better residual I feel on the service bureau side because all the work you do year one And you sign up a bunch of clients, you know, year two, say you do the same amount of work and you sign up a bunch of clients, maybe you lose a couple, but now you have year one, year two, and then say year three, you're getting residual on every single one of those clients as you, and it snowballs, right? I think this year going into this year, there's gonna be a lot of people in their third year with our program that are really going to see a a huge surge in their revenue and their profit because ultimately that huge surge didn't require them hiring a shit ton of staff to help do all that work because the work was done every single year. As long as they're retaining, they don't need a massive huge payroll to get themselves out of doing that work.
1: Yeah. Right. Because there really isn't on the back end really like there's a bit of support. There's a bit of service, but unlike like, were you comparing with like tax plan or something where you actually have to do work every single year, that doesn't exist. It's once they're set up in the software. As long as you're able to retain them with training or whatever, the software rolls over. You just re-enroll them and you're done. Like the workload to facilitate to support that client is pretty much non-existent.
2: Yeah, right. T, any I thoughts think awesome. Yeah, if we're talking about as far as retention, tax preparation compared to the service bureau definitely has a longer retention because you're dealing with business to business versus business to consumer. I think that's a mm-hmm. huge thing that people kind of overlook. Oh, I would rather work with one hundred businesses than three thousand um, consumers.
1: Yeah, for right. sure. Yeah, you're, the also the other thing too is like the the customer value is much higher when you're working with a business versus working directly with a customer. Right? A customer may be worth three four hundred dollars every season for their tax return, but a service as a service bureau, if you get an office set up in your office or sorry, an office set up on your software, that could be worth thousands of dollars to your business. So the actual case value, right? The actual uh, customer value is much higher when you're doing B2B work versus business to consumer, B2C.
0: Yeah, and it's definitely something that kind of piles on top of each other. At at the convention we had, we showed examples of some of our clients on our service bureau. Cool, this client, an email a year, worth $3,000 a year, right? This client, an email a year,
1: With 2,000, 4,000, whatever,
0: 4,000, right? And it just stacks on top of each other because those clients require very minimal service.
1: Yeah, the hardest part of being a service bureau, by hardest, I mean like where the most amount of work comes in is acquiring the customer. Once you've acquired the customer, the work just like drops off the cliff as far as how much work you have to put in to that customer. Whereas it's almost opposite in pretty much every other business that we've mentioned yeah there's still the same amount of work to acquire the customer but now that you've got the customer the work continues to increase to actually service and provide your product or service to that customer so service bill model is and sometimes (laughs) it never ends everyone doing getting ready for extensions coming up in october and you know that you know have fun with that
0: (laughs) yeah and even let's like the bookkeeping side like that's another kind of model that has a residual but that still requires work every single month, weekly, monthly, yeah. however you guys do it, right? Yeah. But it could be something that snowballs into something bigger, but it's just gonna be more staff because yeah. more clients you have, the more staff you need to service the clients. Yeah. In service Bureau, you could get away with, you could have one virtual assistant and 150, 200 clients. Like you don't yeah. need a lot yeah. of people. So what that means is you have, your profit just increases exponentially every year because you're snowballing your revenue but you don't have a huge office overhead all this stuff. Yeah. So I, I just think it's much more lucrative. I think that's why we feel it's, it's probably the best business in the industry. Well, I uh, I was have, gonna
1: say what was You're that, probably yeah? gonna
2: say the same thing I was I said, don't we have like several real, six figure um, service bureaus that have ran just like one person?
1: Yeah, oh, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> multiple six figures and it's just one person. Now, we keep chirping at them like, hey, get a team <laughs> like because you can you could probably grow faster or at least have more time freedom with a team. And that's really what it offers yeah. you having a team like there's definitely benefits to that. But what I was actually going to say was like personally, I think the service bureau model is one of the best models in just in business in general, because you are essentially what's called like what's called a value added reseller. You don't have to develop a product, right? You don't have to deal with software development, all the changes to the tax code, all that kind of crap. You don't have to deal with that because you're not the software developer. You're just a reseller. You're just reselling it to people in the industry. So you don't have all the technical, you know, the nonsense that goes on with developing like a SaaS company, a software as a service company. You don't have to deal with any of that. You know, it's very quick to launch and go to the industry. Everyone that you're selling to already has your product, right? Like the thing is, it's like, it's a captive market. People already have and need tax software. You know, people in the industry, right? They already are using it. They already need it. So it's a very easy sale. All you have to do is get in front and show why you're better, offer more value. We've talked about this in a lot of episodes and convert that sale. That's really it. There's not a whole lot of extra stuff. You don't have to convince someone That, hey, they need tax software instead of doing everything freehand. It's like, no, everyone uses software. And if they don't use software, guess what? Not your customer. Move on to the next person. But there's so many benefits. And the other thing, too, is that you're mutually aligned with your customers. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, as a service bureau, most of your revenue should come from bank product volume, right? And as long as you're working with those customers, if you can help them grow their business, if you can help them increase the bank product volume that they're producing... Well, you help them grow their business, you help them generate more revenue, they're probably going to stay with you forever because they're like, oh, Tia gave me all these strategies. Now I'm actually growing my tax preparation business. I'm so much more successful. And the more they succeed, the more revenue you make as well as a service. So it's like the best of all of these different worlds. Like You don't have to really develop a product because it's already there for you. People are already using your product or a variation of your product. So you just need to kind of flip them over onto yours. And then the better they succeed, the more revenue you make. So you're mutually aligned with your customers and their goals. So it like it just checks so many boxes. And this was really huge for me because previously, like Baldi, myself and Jameson, we used to have a, a marketing agency. And while that was fun, it was great. Our goals were not mutually aligned, right? Whether our clients succeeded or not. It's like, look, you paid us the, the retainer. We're doing the work. Whether you choose to implement our process, whether you choose to follow our training, whether you choose to implement the program or not, you know, ultimately didn't really make a ma- massive impact on our business. Now, sure, if we got them to be successful, we would be able to keep them on a, on a longer kind of monthly retainer. But we did a lot of seasonality stuff. And it was like, this is the one time payment, you're in no matter what, we've already collected the amount of money, whether you do it or not, is is totally up to you. And now it's really shifted. Whereas a, as a coach, and like working with people and training them, I'm a lot more motivated, because I know that we, we will mutually benefit. From someone's overall growth, so that's my kind of take on just like not even just service bureau within the tax industry, but just out of so many different business models. It's such a great business models to be in, just in general business. Yeah,
2: the retention. Yeah, man, I mean, you know, I, go ahead, Tia. No, I was just saying that. <laughs> oh, oh, I was you saying low risk so retention. No, 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 low risk. I'm gonna say I say I'm gonna say low risk. Low risk business, especially for me, low low risk, risk. like minimal liability, minimum liability and like paperwork. Yeah. Two page (laughs) compared to all of the other ones. Yeah. Two pages, little liability.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, we're talking at the convention about, you know, different business models and why service bureau is, you know, if you joined for a reason, you want it to be here for a reason. One of the things that a lot of businesses struggle with outside of this industry, outside of this model is you can sell low ticket, you can sell mid ticket, you can sell high ticket, you can sell super high ticket, right? 20,000, whatever the, that price range is. But it's always, well, how do I get my next sale? How do I get my next sale? What a lot of businesses always look for is what's that continuity, right? What's that continuity that I'm going that to get somebody to stick, right? In the SaaS world, it's, oh, okay, cool. I need... Say I sell my SaaS uh, program, and then I'm going to get some continuity on the monthly subscription, right? That's what people try to build. And the service bureau model has that built-in continuity, has everything you need from on the front end. You can take somebody from a low ticket offer to a mid or high ticket or get them right in on the high ticket, but it always comes in with built-in continuity, which a lot of businesses don't have. And if you really take advantage of it, you can make a shit ton of money on building that whole ecosystem with very minimal staff, not being so worried about sales every single year, because if you're consistently bringing in conversations and sales, just snowballs on top of each other, then we've kind of repeated that multiple times on this call, because I think that's the most, the most beneficial part of this model,
1: right? Yeah, Yeah. you could. Yeah. And and to break that down, even in in like simple, just kind of like numbers as an example, if you bring on, say you set up, I'm just going to say like 20 people in your first year, you set 20 people up on your software as a service bureau. Well, those 20 people are worth X amount on just like the upfront sale. Maybe you saw like, a, I'm just going to use a thousand bucks again for easy math. thousand dollar license, cool. You sold 20 people, you made 20 grand upfront. But on the back end, on the service bureau fees and the add-on fees and everything that you make as a service bureau, those 20 people could be worth an additional 20 grand just on the residual, on the back-end bank product volume. Now let's go to year two. You do the same amount of sales again. You sell another 20 people. You make another 20 grand up front. But now you have those original 20 people from year one plus the people from year two. Now you're making an extra 40 grand on the back end. So you made 60 grand that year. And it just continues to snowball like that. You can keep bringing in the same amount of people year over year, but your actual back-end money just continues to grow as you keep bringing more people in and so that's where it's like you get to a point where you might not even need to sell any more new people in you can just keep managing your existing customers i mean we recommend always selling always onboarding always acquiring new customers but it gets to the point where really if you wanted to you could just pump the brakes on that and just work just service the existing clients that you have and just help them grow and you're just going to consistently generate that back-end money without really having to do any upfront sales or do anything. Just manage your customers and that's it. And management is extremely low as far as your work at or work or required.
0: No yeah, CEUs C- require um, yeah. <laughs> And especially if like, your customers end up growing, you benefit on that as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, as you say, no continuing ed. <laughs> Zero. Zilch. Yeah. 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 I think a lot of people overlook that. Like you don't need any licensing. You don't need an EFIN. You don't need any of that stuff to sell software. mm mm-hmm.
2: I think we've actually had people from in other industries come into software.
0: Like yeah, there's I think there's like there's a couple a, a couple. Yeah. The challenge with that, we've talked about it, should we just kind of open it up outside of the industry? The challenge with that is now there's an extra hurdle to overcome. The extra hurdle is you have no industry knowledge. Yeah. Right? You don't need to have tax knowledge. You need to have some industry knowledge
1: right what are- i have zero tax knowledge i'll be <laughs> completely transparent zero tax knowledge but guess what i have a lot of industry knowledge like a lot of industry knowledge mostly learning i like the deep, difference yeah
0: there you can repeat that russ what i didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah. so industry knowledge is important right like what's a bank product all right how do these things work what are what's the dynamics what's the hierarchies? like there's just so much things that people need to learn Even just about the service bureau side, if you have no fundamental industry knowledge, it's not impossible. Don't get me wrong. Like what's a bank product? (laughs) Yeah, it's not impossible to learn, but it's just an extra hurdle, right? It's an extra hill to climb. Yeah, and and
1: this is actually a really good point as well to bring up because as a service bureau, actually, I mean, really with any businesses, you do want to get clear about like who is the right fit for your program. Just because you have someone in front of you who is interested in what you have doesn't mean you should sell them on it. Um, we have that all the time. We have conversations come up where we have some people coming into our webinars. We don't really know how they saw it. Maybe they, someone mentioned it or something, but they're not in the industry. They're like, oh, but I just, you know, I'm good at business and I, I like to sell and it looks like a great model. It's like, well, yeah, it is. But if we go through a couple of basic questions with them, this is what our sales rep are trained to do. If we go through a handful of questions and they answer them the wrong way, we just wrap up that conversation. We're like, hey, you're not a good fit for our program. And that's just how we do it is because it's like look we understand that the industry knowledge is not there for you to get to where you need to be to really be successful in this i mean it, it can be doable right Baldy, you mentioned that like it definitely it can be yeah, learned
0: we're, we're just not going to be the ones it's just that we don't, can yeah, do it. yeah we're not going to be the ones that do it
1: we're looking to work with people that fit xyz model because we don't want to have to support someone who's like can someone tell me about a bank product what's a service bank like no we're not going to have those conversations you should already know that shit. we don't want to train you that on that stuff we want to work with people who already have that industry knowledge and then really teach you the fundamentals of being a service bureau so that all those pieces of the puzzle kind of click together at once and we don't have to teach you from ground zero.
0: Yeah, yeah and on I the, think we and see that a little... Go ahead, Tia.
2: And also, in addition to that, as a... However, even though that those are people that we don't bring on as a service bureau, those could potentially be people that you target like, but there may be bookkeepers that don't know about, you know, a service bureau model or tax planners that don't know about a service bureau model, but you have a working knowledge of all of those industries, a high overview. That's mm-hmm. something, those are people that you can target for your software sales, if you're interested.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, so when those people come through our stuff, we sometimes actually just give them to our service bureaus. Hey, may, wait, maybe you just need to kind of get your feet wet in the industry, on this side of the industry. Yes. right go with this person go with that person they'll be able to set you up on software and yeah. kind of show you the ropes there but yeah we'll get a lot of people that come in through our webinars that it's just not look that's just not a fit like Ross said, right like we're not here to show you what a bank product is like if you don't know it's not that we can't show you all that stuff it's just it takes so much extra time it adds way more extra support yeah
1: we're lazy We'd like to have a streamlined <laughs> business. We <laughs> want to work with the right people. And as everyone should in your business, know who you want to work with. And, and this it comes down to like, we talk about this a lot of just like, getting really good at selling one thing in one program and having like knowing who you're supposed to work with. Because if you try to make custom shit or you bring in the wrong people, they're going to cause support headaches for you. And it's not worth it in your business. That is going to really bottleneck you. It's not going to allow you to be nimble and really grow and scale as fast as possible. So understand, like look, saying no to someone, is very empowering as well as the business owner being like, no, you're not a good fit for my business. Oh, please. But I think I could do so well. doesn't matter. Like you are not a right fit for my program. I'm going to go in and move to the next person. And it's, it's really powerful when you can get to that stage in the business. Now, obviously, when you're starting out, you're probably going yes to say yes to wrong people. And you're going to learn, even though we're telling you now, and we tell you the training. You're going to make mistakes, but that's a part of business, right? That's part with everything in life is you're going to have to make those mistakes to really learn it and internalize it. There was one other thing that I wanted to mention about as well with the service bureau. This was it. The other reason why service bureau is one of the best business models to be in is because there are thousands of different ways that you can grow a service bureau, right? You don't have to just sell software directly to you. You mentioned like, you know, creating a program to for like bookkeepers, right? To show them how to be a service bureau or or show them how to do tax preparation right there's so many ways that you can go about growing your service bureau which in essence is just getting people to use your software and process bank products like that's literally what we're talking about we're talking about growing a service bureau it's getting people to use your software to do bank product returns that's how you grow your service bureau so how do you go about doing that you could sell directly into the market you could just sell software You could put together a whole training program. A lot of people, if you're listening to this, you've probably seen people promoting tax academies or like business in a box programs. You could do that. You could go after brand new people who have never done a tax return in their life, but are interested in the industry and create an academy program where you teach brand new people how to actually get started, how to actually do tax returns. Now, there's a lot of work required in that. But guess what? You can also sell it for a very high ticket because it's like a biz op program. And ultimately, at the end of the day, that BizOp program, the tax academy that you're selling people is just a top of funnel. It's just a process to get people to use your software because guess yep. what's included with your tax academy? You get free software, too. So now you can actually operate the business, right? So you can come up with so many different strategies to actually get people in to give you money for a product, for a program. And a part of it is the software for them to use to do returns. So there's so many different ways that you can go to market and you can grow your service bureau. That's a really other cool thing about it is that a lot of other industries like tax resolution, well, okay, you're you're like, you're offering tax resolution at the end of the day. There's not really a whole lot that you can add on to that in like in other value or other kind of offers. But with the service bureau model, there's so many different ways you can approach the market of getting people to use your software that it allows a lot of flexibility and allows you to be able to be unique and really kind of separate yourself from other people.
0: Right. Even, hey, insurance agents, non-standard insurance agents, here's how to add tax prep to your insurance, to your book of business. To your firm. Like, yeah, there's, exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's so many ways. There's, <laughs> exactly. Like there's so
1: many ways that you can go about and growing. That's another great aspect of it.
0: Yeah. Cool. I think we uh, get that one down on why it's the I best love it. model. <laughs> we can keep going.
1: <laughs> yeah. If it, keep going. I, I have this joke with like some of my friends, like if everything's shut down tomorrow, I would just go and start another service bureau <laughs> like, like it was like zero tomorrow. It's like, well, I'm just going to go start a service bureau because it's like it's the easiest it's the best business to be in by far.
0: Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and uh, wrap it up, guys. So those of you guys who are not in the Service Bureau Accelerator, go ahead and go to Um, Fill out the information, go through the webinar,
1: book a webinar, learn more about book. us, make sure it's a good fit.
0: Come, come. If, you're,
1: if you don't know what a bank product is, might not be a good fit, like we mentioned.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and we'll go ahead and wrap it up there. Awesome. Take care, guys. Right.
0: See so, ya. Yeah.